0: babies. On this week's episode, we are chatting with our very good friend, Cindy Gamboa. And we are going to be talking about boundaries this week, which I think is a very important lesson that takes a lot of us to learn. And so we are going to be chatting with someone that definitely understands boundaries. Thank you so much for joining me, Cindy. I'm so glad to have you here.
1: I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited.
0: Yay! So... Go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit, who you are, a little bit of the journey that you've taken and where you're going. So
1: I'm a hairstylist for about, I'm a second generation hairstylist and I've been doing hair for now more than 10 years. And I, this is, this is a part for me, Annie, (laughs) because I'm like, I've done many things, (laughs) but I've worked, I have worked behind the chair for over 10 years. I, I have worked in editorial, I've done competitions, I've done, I work big salons, small salons, commission salons, and I now run my own business. Yeah. And also
0: you've won competitions. I want to point yes. that out. You have won competition.
1: I've been there. Yes. So I've, I've done fashion. I've done commercial. I've done all kinds of really fun things. It's, I really, Saw beauty as multifaceted, and, and yeah. I have tapped into as many areas as I can because I just love it so much. And there's always something new and something different. So, yeah, um, I like to explore all of it.
0: I love it. So, where are you at today? You have moved salons. You're kind of starting from scratch again.
1: I'm starting from scratch again. I am in Austin, Texas now. I used to live here before, and I started my business here mm-hmm. in 2015. I Back when there was no Instagram, no none of that. Uh-huh. I was like handing out little cards and all of that stuff. Then now that I'm back, I don't know how many years later, when I, I moved away in 2018 and I built another business in South Texas, in a very small town. Uh-huh. And that business with it did well and it's been doing well. Not that it wasn't great, but when you're creative and you're not moving and you're not growing in the way that you want to grow, It is a disservice to yourself to not be able to identify that. And so that's what I identified in myself, that I was feeling a little stuck. And it wasn't just the location or anything like that, but just I was very focused on that, that business as it was. So I decided to come back to Austin, Texas and start over again for fun. Like, you're crazy. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? I'm like, I don't know. I I challenged myself. It was important for my mental health. Uh, we're talking about boundaries. It it, it was yep. important to create new ones, to create new habits, to to see my business, to take power in my business as well. After a pandemic and, and, yeah. and surviving the uncertainty, yeah, the pandemic. Uh-huh. I was like, no, I I can't I can't live day to day like that. I need to take my power back. I can do it again, and I, and if I can do it again, I can do it a million times. And that's where I am.
0: So the... what are you, what are you noticing are the biggest changes now building a clientele versus being fresh out of school, building a clientele?
1: <laughs> I don't want to age myself, but it was, I remember looking at websites. It wasn't like an app. It was a website called behind the chair and mm-hmm. you could like see it in my Blackberry. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Roll a ball, you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> that was how you would see slowly loading some photos in there in a website in a blog. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's where when I started. And and the clientele then was not informed about how you were doing outside of behind like outside of doing hair behind the chair. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. clients didn't know that you liked coffee shops and you had a nice cute puppy at home and you had a son or whatever clients didn't know anything about you so you just have to be like can i do your hair (laughs) to get your hair done with me and then we used a lot of the bribing Mm -hmm. colors off 50% off or whatever or like free blowout i need a model and then you'll be like would you like a complimentary haircut with that color all those things yeah because that's that was the way to get like trust Versus now you can create an audience, create an audience where you can start building trust. Yep. And then you can be like, Hey, I do haircuts too. Do you want to see me in real life? Come on. Yeah. So that is very different. Very different.
0: Yeah. Um, Social has changed the game big time. I feel like the biggest thing aging ourselves here, but like when we both started, like Instagram was not a thing. Social media was not a thing. Like we, it was like boots to pavement going out and getting your clientele. And I feel like for introverts, social media has really allowed people that are super introverted and have that hard time. Hi, please come trust me. Let me do your hair. Like it is, they're able to grow in such a different way. And they're mm-hmm. able to thrive in the industry so differently. Mm-hmm. And, and it's that's something really positive that I see is that it kind of evens the playing field for all personality types to really Absolutely.
1: show I think off it themselves. Does. And with that, I can tell you also what I have discovered as someone that went from, oh, I don't need to introduce myself. People don't mm-hmm. know that I do great hair to, <laughs> so, hey, I'm new here. Would you like to get your hair done with me? You know what I mean? Yeah. By the way, I have master, start, it's master stylist pricing. Mm. Who are you? Yeah. So the difference in, in that is now you're catered to a, a whole different audience that can come with a lot of people that are not going to be your clientele. Yeah. And how you're going to do that or how are you are going to be able to tell that's your boundary?
0: Absolutely. You have
1: a good boundary established as to do you need money or do you need clients? That's two different ones. Mm. And I think that a lot of people don't think, like in the beginning, you're not thinking, oh, "Oh." you're just like happy that somebody lets you cut their hair. Yeah. But when you get to a point where even, you know, 10 years later, you're starting over and and somewhat, you have to have a boundary of what kind of, how much money do you want to make? And then if that money you're making is worth the exchange that you're having with this person, if this is going to be your client or if it's just going to be a money.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: That is is a new, like, that's a new thing for me that I'm like, what is so like chaotic about a Facebook ad or like a Instagram ad that is such a big audience that you Mm -hmm. don't know what you're going to get. And you just hope that, and with that, I can go on and on and tell you all the other things that I feel like work, especially when you're a new stylist. Yeah. That most new stylists don't have set up that I see a lot of, oh Yeah. I came from South Texas and in South Texas, there is a lot of high demand for our services, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. The problem is that not everybody is highly skilled. So if you don't have a skill, but you want to charge like a high skill, what makes you have that trust, the return in building mm-hmm. that clientele is gonna be everything you have to back you up. So yeah. you can do one Facebook ad and be like, I did this hair." But then they're going to go to your website and you don't have a website. You don't have reviews. You mm-hmm. don't have an extensive portfolio that mm-hmm. says that every time somebody paid you X amount of money, you delivered. Does it? You don't have any of that. So then that makes it hard that even social media can help you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Those are really great tips, actually. <laughs> those are that's some of like the noticed. basic things go set those up and have those there because it 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 is a secondary place than just your social media presence to have those things and it does make you look really professional compared to other people
1: yes that that's what i'm finding out now versus then because mm-hmm. like i said for four or five years i didn't have to do promo yeah it was a lot of word of mouth and it was a, a, a good business that sustained itself and, and like pro- the work spoke for itself yeah now that I'm in a in a pool of stylists and, and businesses that are so that is so extensive, that do exactly the same haircut that I can do, that do exactly, then what makes you be the option? Sometimes it just comes with consistency. Uh-huh. Some style, some some salons, some stylists might have one aesthetic that might be exactly like yours. That's fine, but it's still like that consistency. I feel But that's yeah. what like get, gives people trust
0: definitely because it's a very vulnerable service yeah oh
1: yeah I think about that all the time I'm like I know many stylists so I'm not scared to get my hair done anymore yeah but thinking about not knowing someone and like Mm -hmm. just walking in there and be like do something yeah I want my hair blonde and they're like yes imagine I know that my hair doesn't turn blonde yeah but someone's
0: yeah I'll do it for you how terrifying it is terrifying I still get nervous. Like yeah. I like, I'm pretty consistent with my own stylist, but I let the assistants at the salon that I go to, I let them play with my hair and stuff and it's okay. They need to learn and they need to do stuff. But oh man, it gets kind of scary sometimes. Yeah.
1: And I think that's what we need to keep in mind that a lot of clients, another thing I guess to, to touch base on is their empathy. Oh Yeah. So it doesn't matter if you are a brand new stylist or if you're practicing. Mm-hmm. You have to know that there's a human person that still cares how they look in the mirror. Yes, and that you have an effect on that. So even if you are just practicing or just having fun or just having that that empathy can save your can gain you a client for a long time. And because I will tell you that I have clients right now that I came back to To Austin, I had a client that was like, hey, I saw that you were back in Austin. Do you remember me? And I was like, "Mm, yeah. And I was like, wait. And then she's, yeah, I used to do my hair at school. She's a client that I used to cut and blow dry. She has really curly hair and nobody would go for it because it was so curly. And I'm like, oh, texture, bring it because my hair is really curly too. So I would blow dry her hair and she would come every, it was $20 blowouts. Mm -hmm. I think $15 haircut, $20 blowouts. And, and I would, and she was like trying to get to me again. And, and I, and I got to see her. Yeah. And what I mean is that how, how did, how do you carry a client that long? Yeah. It's empathy, it's trust. That's, that's what I've gathered. Yeah. That's, that's the only thing I can like pinpoint is like, she felt seen. She felt, Mm -hmm. she felt seen. Like her concerns were valid. What she needed to get done, got, got done mm-hmm. with that kind of report and like relationship. Many years later, many years later, I can pay your prices now and I want to see you. That's so awesome. So I don't think people should be dismissing their their school clients as, oh, because this is not a one-time thing. You You could really like, I remember when I was in school, people were like, oh yeah, this is just practice. Some of these clients have been coming here to the school all their lives. They're not going to follow us. This is just practice. And in reality, is that no, no. Everybody wants to be cared for by somebody that cares. So if you are at school and you're taking clients, why are you not going to have that empathy, even though it is a service that is so routine that you might need it? So yes, don't tell yourself short on your on your floor time, you can make lifelong
0: clients. I really love that. I love that perspective of kind of understanding, like one of the important factors that come with being a a hairdresser in the industry and serving the clients that you work with behind the chair and learning that and having that understanding from the very beginning, I think is going to set a lot of people apart. Uh From the other people that are looking at it, like, it's just practice. But you're right. That is a person in the chair. Even if that's all they can afford is to come to a school, like, they still want that experience.
1: They want that experience. They want that. It's somebody that cares. Somebody that understands. Uh Somebody that hears and listens and is available. Because when you're in school, and I... I really don't know what a school looks like at this point in this new world, but i I would assume it looks like a lot of dreams. It looks like a lot of 100k plus incomes. Like it looks like a lot of glamour. It looks mm-hmm. like a lot of 200k followers and mm-hmm. collabs and yes. educators and trips and like that's what it looks like. Maybe I don't know because I'm I, like I said I don't know what a school looks like a setting and like what those dreams look like. But I would assume that's what it looks like, and in reality, what it really is is a lot of one-on-one. It's a lot of getting down on your knee and listening. Uh-huh. It's a lot of putting yourself outside of that equation. Is getting yourself, giving yourself to other people, hour by hour, different needs, uh-huh. tapping into what they what they are really needing from you, um, and then also, if you realize. The people that are like, this is just practice, are the same people that later are like, they're doing it for money. This is just Mm -hmm. a haircut. This is just a root touch-up. This is just another day. This is just some highlights. Mm -hmm. And if you have that attitude that day, that moment when you are just practicing, you will end up doing just a haircut, just some highlights. Yes. And it's the same people usually is the same people. So avoid that kind of attitude because uh-huh. it is not just you
0: are really doing it. I do have to say watching your career basically from the beginning. I mm-hmm. I, I I've gotten to watch almost your entire career which has been really exciting <laughs> and like the journey that you've gone through and everything that you have done because you have done a lot and I want to emphasize that like you have done a lot in your career. And I think the thing that is really powerful about that is that what you go back to is behind the chair, serving your clients, being with your clients, making sure that they have the best experience possible. And you have done everything, editorials, competitions, one compete one major competitions in the industry, have worked with brands and big 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 hairdresser names and you come back and serve your clients every day. And it's, it really is such a testament to if you have good boundaries and you have empathy for these people, like you can make a like substantial career doing hair.
1: Not just money. Yeah. The money comes along Mm -hmm. on its own. It has never been about money. It has never been about money. So, so I mean, thank you so much for saying (laughs) that. I I forget you walk and walk. They say, well, you keep walking, you forget to look back, but yeah, it's been a journey but the the major thing for me is people i still never forget that is the same person in in school it was the same thing when i left school i had a little blow dry roster people that would just come for blow dries to my apartment or i would go to their house and call me huh? hey it's saturday come on my blow i had this lady that would come like frequently like she moved the Way. But she would come to my house all the time. And, and I was just like I was just a, a student. I had just graduated. I didn't even have a salon that had hired me. And these people just wanted to have that one-on-one. That's how I understood also that later in when the conversation we were having about finding your value, mm-hmm. I later realized working in a big brand salon in a, behind a big brand. And doing big things, right? Mm -hmm. Like I realized that it didn't compare to like the one-on-one people wanted from me. Like I understood what my clientele, what was the thing that kept people uh, saying, hey, here's my number or, hey, I saw you on Instagram or, hey, I followed you. What made that difference? And I think it was the one-on-one being heard, seen, appreciated. That, you want more of that. I mean, I, if I, anywhere I go, I mean, if I want, if I get coffee, I definitely go back to the, the, the barista that like asked me how my day is going.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. It's that interpersonal connection. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, I know that they talk a lot about it in school, at least the school that I went to, they, mm-hmm. they kind of brought up the conversation a lot, but it's, there are so many people out there that don't, have those interpersonal connections with other people in their lives. And a lot of times their hairdresser, their esthetician, their nail tech, their barber, like those are the only interpersonal connections that they sometimes have. And I think it's so important remembering that as people behind the chair is that you really are truly making a difference with this one-on-one with these people. And Mm -hmm. that's what they come back for. Yes, your skill is a part of it, but it's you. It's you as a person. That they keep coming back for, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's really true. And I know that it's talked about so often, but it is so true.
1: And this is why I feel like also in in this new salon setting, in this new world of salons, mm-hmm. non-competes don't compete anymore. No, non-competes have always been obsolete huh. because non-competes cannot control the client that wants a one-on-one. Exactly. They can't. So it doesn't, I mean, it's a nice try. I understand the, the, the business aspect of that, but you can't. Force uh-uh. it. No,
0: not at all. With giving all of that though, to your clients all the time, what are you finding that you kind of have to start saying no to, or start putting up boundaries or start making sure that you're taking care of yourself with giving and giving and giving all day?
1: I don't think there's. I don't think it's ever too early to curate your clientele. It's an unpopular opinion, maybe, but it's never too early to curate your clientele. If
0: not, I, you're gonna burn I out. Totally agree with that.
1: You're gonna burn out. It's just not not something you want to put yourself on. I mean, put yourself in. Walk that line of everything and everyone is for me. It's not. So I feel that what protects my peace is knowing that. The right people I can give freely to without burning out, which is also a boundary that you have to have with yourself. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think that it's never too early to curate your clientele. And by curating your clientele, you create your experience as a mm-hmm. stylist. Everything is about experiences. It's not just client experience. It's your experience too. A hundred percent. Because if you're not having a good time, they're not having a good time. Yep. No one exactly. is having a good time. Yes. Yes. That's another big awakening for like big salon business. Mm-hmm. If your stylists are not having a good time, no one is having a good time. Yep. So me that I I personally work independently, I know that, that I'm like, no, it has to be. Yeah. It's for the best of all of us.
0: A hundred percent. Do you take lunches?
1: Of course. Of course. We don't burn out here. I grew up in a hair salon. My mom was a stylist of many, many years, many years in a salon that ran with, I think at some point she had 15 stylists or something like that. Wow. And, and she had, she was very strict with, with a lot of things, but one of the things she wasn't strict on was with that personal Mm -hmm. time and just taking care of herself and all that stuff. So for me, it's the first thing. Now I know that there's no, no way that I can just skip that part of taking care of myself, taking care of my lunch or anything like that.
0: How was it when you were assisting? Were you allowed to have those boundaries at that time? Because I know back in the day when you and I first started doing hair, it was a different industry. It was very different. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of starting to change a little bit, but not quite yet. And what was that experience like? And how were you able to kind of like move forward into where you are now?
1: No, I mean, as you know, that we didn't have a a boundary when it it came to-
0: We weren't really allowed (laughs) to. We we weren't
1: allowed. (laughs) I do hope that people like new stylists know that, that that's not okay. It's not okay because like I said, nobody's having a good time. There might be a very select few that are having a good time when you are not having a good time. I mean, what the difference, you you asked what the difference was?
0: Yeah, what are you able to see now with this journey in your career? Mm -hmm. Looking back on it, do some of the boundaries that you hold today kind of stem from where you started?
1: Yes, because I, yeah, like I said, nobody should be having a terrible time doing what they love. I mean, if that is the case, then you can do something that it, it turns into any other job, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it turns into something you don't want to do or something you don't like. And and, and that, that's not the point. The The boundaries that I know and love to have now are because I know what burnout feels like. I know what it's like to to not have a lunch. I know what it's like to suffer through that. And I can tell you from the experience I have with long-term clients, they don't want you to suffer. They don't want a stylist that is burnout. They don't want a stylist that is like, oh, I just had one one drink of coffee Uh, or I haven't gone to the bathroom all day. Another boundary that I feel is important is now that we have known that the many colors of the industry and many things and many options that you have to do uh-huh. beauty. I see so many people like breaking themselves into million pieces to do all of it. Uh-huh. And now I feel like you don't need to cut color, style and, and wrestling blowouts and this and that and the latest and an extension and like and this. What is it that is going to provide you the best service, uh-huh. the best you? Yeah. Like not, not just anybody and everybody is gonna, you don't have to service this, this big many that I feel like, oh, it's not going to let you eat. It's not going to let you like have a decent break. Mm -hmm. Maybe do a really nice haircut. Maybe do a really nice balayage, maybe focus on those services. Like, why do you want to do the services that are six hours of extensions plus color plus the cut plus mm-hmm. i get some clients that are like oh i was at my last salon like four hours at a time and i'm like what were you doing for hours they are not having a good time no those stylists are not having a good time i, I mean and those clients are not having a good time i promise you nobody wants to be there six hours definitely nobody. don't and they're like oh it's because i let them eat here and i let them snack and i order them lunch and maybe it's a it's a service. We don't want to be at the dentist for 10 hours. I love you, but you don't live here. you know. What I
0: mean? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and there are going to be times, depending on what kind of stylist you are and this, the clientele that you provide, there are going to be times that happens. Like. Color yeah. corrections happen, installs happen. There are times that it happens, but not when it's like a mandatory, this is what you do every single day. You're being forced to show up and do those things. There's definitely a difference in that. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I think that that's also something to recognize what your expertise is and where you want to be most efficient. Absolutely. If yeah. you know it's going to take you six hours to do a color correction each time, because we're talking to new stylists here, right? Mm -hmm. If one stylist knows that it's going to take them, their foils are slow. Yeah. It takes them three hours every time they want to do a balayage, What is it that you can
0: do to make it a little bit more uh, convenient for them and focus on what is, what works? I, I feel like that really goes into that conversation of curating your clientele. And again, back when you and I first started doing hair, I remember being told by older stylists, you don't ever say no. You Mm -hmm. take everything. Anything that Mm -hmm. sits in your chair, you say yes and you figure it out. And I remember that just always terrified me because there are things that I want to say no because I'm not going to be able to give this person what they're looking for. But I felt so scared and pushed in the corner of being like, well, I have to say yes to everything because I, I have to try. But why not curate your clientele? Give them the best experience? have your own personal boundaries, be able to set them up for the expectation of Uh what's about to happen. And something that you said before we started recording was even as a student in school, telling them my haircuts are taking me about two hours right now. So Mm -hmm. are you like ready to go for a two hour haircut today? Like setting them up to have that experience with you is so important. That was something for me that really stuck out that you said, because I think that is such a great takeaway from the very start that students can implement right away. And that will then help them set those boundaries, set those expectations, curate their clients. Because if someone's, I am not down for a two hour haircut, you probably don't want to be cutting their hair anyways. You no, know? because that's going to be already a challenge. Absolutely. And that's, I
1: think the, the the most thing that affects the most a new stylist or, or breaks them or makes them mm-hmm. is the feedback is the yeah. client feedback you're like, I can't do this or can yeah. I do this? Mm-hmm. And it depends on how great or how good your experience goes. And what what sets the tone is the expectation. Absolutely. We go back to what is, what is your consistency look like? What is what you're good at? Mm-hmm. How many of these haircuts can you do in how much time? Mm-hmm. What kind of color are you great at? And based on that, then you can create an experience that they know are going to like it. You can deliver. Right. Because yeah. if not, then you're just like, I do all of it. I want curtain bangs. Well, I don't do those. I can do these. So now the expectation is like, oh, well, you said you could cut any, anybody's hair. And that's where the challenge comes. And that's where people burn out. And that's when a lot of like people that I started school with even st- stopped stop doing hair. I just can't handle the pressure. I can't handle the people. I can't handle it. And, and was it really the people that you couldn't handle? Just the fact that that they weren't allowing themselves or giving per- permission to themselves to curate their clientele, to curate their service menu, what they can do, focus on what they can do. Uh-huh. I I am a really good hair cutter. By accident, sometimes I say. <laughs> I'm a really good hair cutter and I love doing those services. Uh-huh. And many like new stylists come to me and ask me, where, where do I start? I just want to do what you're doing. And I just want to like do this or that. And like, where can I start? And where, what's the trail of info to follow, to master? And I'm like, what are you good at right now? What do you like to do now? What do you understand now? Cause you are at work right now. And I can tell you that you can expand on your free time, but what is going to gain you mastery is what you're doing now. Yeah. So if, you're, if you work at a balayage bar and all you do is balayages and fantasy color, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. But you really want to be a hair cutter, the best in the business. Uh-huh. But what you do from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. four days a week is balayages and vivid colors. Where is your mastery? Yeah. How are you going to gain your mastery? So maybe it's about perspective. You do feel like the perf- like adding great haircuts to those colors would be amazing, but you're dismissing what you're great at already. And there's nothing wrong with expanding what I'm saying. You're talking about how do I master? You're mastering what you're doing. You're gonna be a master at what you what is presented to you, what you love, and what mm-hmm. is happening. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like it's it's. I think that that is the like one of the best discoveries I've had. That is no focus on what you know and yes.
0: Keep building. All we always have to learn. What are you noticing with the difference now that you're in a place that you're having to rebuild again, and and you're in your own salon space because you're you are by yourself still, right? Yes, yeah. Yes. So you're just in your own salon space and you're building. So there's there's nobody else like there to help feed you clients or anything like that. What are you learning today with social media and those kind of things that students could implement? into starting off from the beginning too
1: i think like i'd mentioned before being able to build a consistent first of all identifying your skill is important i knew when i was in school or when i the clients i got in school became repetitive and like i said that was my mastery yeah so my my it was a lot of curly girls uh, that wanted to be smooth Okay. Curly, curly cuts were not a big deal. Then you didn't have that education. Then. It was a different time. <laughs> it was a different time. And the curly girls wanted to be smooth and they wanted bouncy, shiny mm-hmm. blowouts. Yep. And I put that Paul Mitchell blow dryer to the test. It made it through. Yep. And we, and that was what I did every Saturday. I was booked back to back. And those were repeat clients. I don't know what that looks like for a student now. But, but for me, it was, that's what it looked like then.
0: Are you doing any mentoring right now?
1: Not officially.
0: Not officially. But I get asked a lot. Do you? Is it something that you do? I do it like when they ask <laughs> When they ask me,
1: I'll put it together and I'll, I'll sit with them. I will either do one session, three sessions, depending. The, the, the thing with mentoring is, is uh, it's challenging because like I said, I don't know what the expectations they have are on this new world. Which is fine. I think that you can have any kind of career. Uh-huh. And I've seen all the sides of it. So yes, I can give you a lot of feedback on many things, but I, I don't know what their expectations are And when it comes to a 100K, which is the big conversation right now. Yeah.
0: yeah, it is.
1: And while we love that, and I can tell you that it's possible quickly, it doesn't come easy without skill, without consistency. With that, it, it just, it has to, it's stacked up. Yeah. So for new babies, it can be very frustrating. What I what I do feel is like that that this coaching needs to happen because there's a lot of scammy happening where they are being sold these ideas of 100K businesses. Mm-hmm. And um, nothing wrong with schools either, because I know some schools are actually telling people like, sign up. And then you graduate ready to go for the future. And that's amazing. That's what they sell. But in reality, how many of these people are really ready for the world? Uh-huh. Because it happens when people go to college and they say, here's your paper. It's, yeah. And then you go over there and where's your practice? Uh-huh. Where's your references? Where's your uh-huh. previous job? How do we know you can do this job? Uh-huh. It's the same thing with us. We yeah. come and, oh, I have a license. I can do your hair. And the clients are like, how do I know you do this? How long have you been doing it? Where's your portfolio? Is that all you do? What else do you do? So it all comes, you can make a lot of money, but like, it comes with, a, you don't know, have to have all this stuff laid out in the beginning. And what I find with, the, with some of the co- coachings I've done with new stylists is that they're ready to take on on their own. And I'm like, yes, you can take it on your own, but you don't have basis to be... Like you can do an Instagram ad, like I told you, and you'll get 40 people clicking on it and two of them might book an appointment and that would pay for your ad. But if all those, all those other people that could have stayed didn't, because you don't have any photos, you don't have any consistency, no reviews, website, no presence, no alternative work, nothing people can see. So how, what are the basis of this prices? Yeah. What are the basis of this services? So all of that are things that like are to, con- to be considered. Even like I'm telling you like about how to curate your services yeah. is important for them because new st- a new stylist approached me and she's like, how do I start? And I'm like, you have a beautiful page of beautiful balayages. You can make a hundred K plus doing this. I appreciate that you want to learn more. I appreciate that you want to learn all of the ins and outs of cutting." But that is being in the mindset of I can do it all. You know what I mean? I know I can't do it. all, And I think that takes also maturity from like your skill maturity and like knowing what you're good at and self-worth vivid. Amazing. Don't do those. I I'll, I'll refer you to someone, you know yeah. what I mean? But when you're new, you have that little ego that is telling you really can't do that. What why, have you tried? Don't say no. You're a graduated stylist. So like getting your ego out of the way and being like, no, 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 this is like a really solid, good service menu I have. And this is what I can provide. I think that's a, that's a big, big difference.
0: I love that. I feel like this is all such like such incredible information that is so important. And again, like you and I have this kind of like huge contrast of where we started to where the industry is now. And it vastly different in in the changes that we have both gone through in our careers, and I think it's so important to talk about those things because we weren't told those things. And today, mm-hmm. it's no, you can set boundaries, you can curate your clientele, you can do mastery and be really, really good at something, and that's okay. You don't mm-hmm. have to be a jack of all trades. I think these things are so important to give people kind of permission to be like, no, it is just fine for you to do that, even mm-hmm. while you're in school
1: you don't have to be a master of anything to know your worth to know that your work matters to know that what you bring to the table is important and to be able to curate who you service and how
0: and like, you more important and you're important. your experience is important also
1: mm-hmm. your experience as a service provider is important you're not there just to serve while while it is the basis of all of all things that we do in beauty service it has to be in a good balance and how you give like you can't selfishly give but yeah like having those at least established and knowing that can save you a lot of heartache absolutely a lot of heartache because that's that's a way that you can avoid a bad relationship with the salon that's a way that you can avoid a bad assisting gig that's a way you can avoid bad coworkers. That's the way you can avoid intensely or irritating client interactions. If you have all those bases set, you're good. Now, imagine if we had shown (laughs) up like this. We wouldn't have (laughs) gone to war. I know. Like we had to wear a helmet (laughs) daily because other people held our value. Other people dictated how we, who and what we were able to do, when and how much you were worth. And that's not anywhere where anybody should be. So that is the blessing that this Cosmo babies have now is yeah. that they can just exist in, in, in their worth, in their, Absolutely. in their value. And there's nothing wrong with that. It terrifies some salon owners that are graduating with this much
0: self-worth. It is scary um, for salon owners.
1: It's scary for salon owners. <sighs> but I, I personally feel... My colleague friends that have big salons that get the Cosmo babies that are equipped with good values from the from the beginning, those are going to be the ones that don't have. They really understand what they're there for. Mm-hmm. They're easier to train. They have more passion. Yes. They're more at ease. They're not as nervous. And you empower them when you when you allow people to just. Exist, yeah, and be happy in their power because they're bringing a lot. Even if it's a new, if, even if you're a new stylist, you're bringing a lot. You're bringing freshness. You're bringing something new. You're bringing new perspective. You're moldable. You're shapeable. You could be an asset to a company.
0: All right, I have one last question for you. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like this whole thing has been such incredible advice, but the question that I have that I love to ask all the time uh. is. What advice would you give yourself back in cosmetology school, knowing everything today? Hard question. (laughs) I know it is a hard question. (laughs) I think that
1: the advice that I would give myself, I don't know, because it's hard because the advantage that they have that we don't, that the advantage that Cynthia 2023, Cynthia 20 Mm -hmm didn't have was an outside world that allowed her to exist in every shape and form yeah, yeah. of who she was. So she was constantly asking for permission to exist anywhere. Huh. So the advice I could give to her that maybe it didn't, it wouldn't even fit in her world would be to allow herself to exist in every shape and form yes. to know that she belonged in every room that she was in. And that she had enough talent and power and courage to do all of it. And whatever she wanted to do, she could do. The surroundings might not dictate that. The surroundings might not be in line with that. But if somebody had told me that, maybe you would have loved to love yourself a little. Yeah. A little more. Because we can't sell beauty and we can't sell self-love from a place of darkness. We cannot. go we'll set a haircut. In a haircut, you can do it on your own. Your mom can cut your hair. Huh? Your friend can cut your bangs. That's not what we sell. So you cannot self love from a place of hate. You should be the serving of this certain, this uplifting that I can provide for you. But you don't believe that for yourself. It's no way. There's no way you cannot. You have your cup has to be it full. I think that that would be my advice to her that she can do the things that she wants to do if she allows herself to exist in every shape that she is with a lot of promotion.
0: You're making me (laughs) emotional over here. (laughs) and I think I'm getting like really choked up because I knew you back then. Like Mm -hmm. we were there for a lot of the same stuff. And it's, I remember looking at you just being like, wow, she just lights up every room she walks into. She she didn't didn't know that. She didn't know.
1: And she didn't know that because people didn't allow her to exist. So, and, and that's a good lesson for us. It here, is. As we saw that evolution of each other, uh-huh. right? How important it is to tell other people that they are in the right the right spot, that they are carrying light, that yeah. they should embrace their light, that they uh-huh. should walk in their light and that they shouldn't let anybody dim it, that everybody's opinion is their own. You cannot let it get to you. So I think it's also a, a good Even school teachers and all that they arm new generations of stylists that are going to care for people. They need to know how important it is their job that they're doing. Yeah. And how valuable coaches and trainings and all of those people set aside whatever might be that that because you never know. And you think that the people are there and you can see them and you see their light, but you never know if they really know. A hundred percent. You never know if they really know, because, like I said, I I I didn't know, I had no idea. Yeah. I just thought it was the stuff that I would run into or bump into. It was just luck.
0: Mm-hmm. It was
1: just I, it, and it wasn't. It was work. It was light. It was intention. It mm-hmm. was like I said, building a book from school, like building a book and and how. But it's that—it's caring, it's empathy, is 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 listening, Uh is giving it. But you can't give from an empty space, and that's why you have to always know you have to wherever your career goes, as your career grows from a style from a baby stylist to a senior stylist. Uh I know people don't like to call them like that no more. I know that, yeah, as well. (laughs) From a new stylist to a seasoned (laughs) stylist, you gotta know where you stand. And what works for you, how it works for you. Coming in and literally grabbing the page, tearing it down and mm-hmm. just be like, I'm going to go and just do another salon somewhere else. I'm going to leave <sighs> my six figure business and I'm just going to, I don't know what clients I'm going to have next month. Rationally, people don't do that. But if you know yourself and you allow yourself, like I said, like Cynthia did in, in 20, I allowed myself to exist in places I know that I can exist in every shape that I can. That gave me the confidence to tear the page and be like, you know what? This environment is great, but it's not nurturing enough for me. I am giving from an empty cup and I need to go to a place where I can consistently fill my cup and feel like the artist I need to be for these people. It is unfair. For a client, for me, unsustainable. And being honest, I think that was the bottom line for me. I had yeah. to be honest. I yeah. had to look myself in the mirror and be like, "Is is a is is whatever it is that you make the twelve thousand dollars or whatever that you made this month or fifteen or what? There was day. There, there's days, yeah. months that are amazing. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh yeah, I can make another twenty k. No, no big deal. Yes, but is it worth what you're putting on the line, which is your passion, your values, how you show up? I had no light in my eye anymore. And I'm not, like I said, it's not the environment. It might be just how burned out you were from the exact same routine. Yes, It's losing your boundaries. For me, it was a realization of losing boundaries, losing boundaries. And that's why I think it's a good topic that we touched today for all of the new hairdressers. Boundaries from the beginning to the end is mm-hmm. the exact same one, the exact same ones that you need. And then you need them now. The exact same care that you have, then you need it 10 years later. And when you lo- get lost along the way, you won't be afraid to start over again, scrap it, do it again. Because imagine you're doing going the wrong road or like driving into a sketchy path. And you're like, I'm just going to keep going. Or we'll get somewhere. And in your car, like you're losing a tire, and you're like, "We'll, we'll get there." Yeah, like it just doesn't make sense. If yeah. it's a patchy road that is not leading anywhere, maybe it's time to turn around. Yes, I don't know. It's it's those things that you're like, "No, you you have to have that self worth." It's not just money. It's yeah. not just money. And and anybody that comes out here in this be- in this beautiful industry that is beauty, and I can tell you, many times there's, there's going to be burnout. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm out. I mean, I have competitions, things like that. That whole world is draining. It's a lot. It's very tense and it's very small. That's another thing that students don't know. It's very it's a very small town. Yes,
0: (laughs) it is a small circle of people that are that are doing it. And so you get to know each other very, very well.
1: So you need to really know that it has to be. Something that if you burn out and it's not for you, okay, take a take a break. It's fine. There's Absolutely. many other things, and and it's a beautiful thing. Competitions are a beautiful thing. Meeting people like Annie, you know what I mean. All of these relationships I've had that come from come from competing is mm-hmm. mm-hmm. a fun place to be. Sometimes it opened the doors to many other things, many other people that I've met, and many other tra- trips I've done, and many many other friends have had but it doesn't limit it doesn't it doesn't end with just that one thing this is like uh i was watching the what's called the michelle obama the i was in a documentary was the oprah interview
0: oh yeah Um,
1: and she said you can definitely be all of it you can definitely do all of it but not all at once not all at once right now i'm comfortably being in this era that I'm in my life. I'm in my mom era. I have a son. I have a, I, I'm building my my family. I went through grief. I'm recovering from grief, mm-hmm. learning what home is, learning what what feels good. And I can allow myself that process, right? Like you can allow yourself that process and just be like, okay, I this is the era. And now, if you want to be grieving, mothering, running a business, changing careers, going to another state, going to another city, writing a new business, writing a book, (laughs) coaching. That's a lot. (laughs) Baby, you're like, you can do it all. Yes. But not all at once. Yeah. Not all at once. So yes, whatever it is that you're going to be, be a good one at it at the moment that you are in. And I am a firm believer in that. Social media, will lie to you on a daily basis and tell you that where you, where you are at is not enough. It's a lie. It's a lie because it's like, oh, so-and-so is doing this. So-and-so is doing that. Oh, I have my YouTube channel. Another person is an educator. Another person has a million followers. Oh, another person just blew up on TikTok. That's fine in your time. I have to be kind to myself. Remind myself like, baby girl, what are you doing now? And what? how much is in your plate right now? So you're asking me about the coaching, right? So <laughs> with the coaching, I love yeah. to be able to talk to new talent and new stylists and all of that. And I, I've i been teaching this new class that's called Modern Texture. That is just, I didn't want to call it intuitive haircutting because you know the wave. You know the vibe. <laughs> I didn't want to call it intuitive haircutting, but it is the intuitive path hmm. to modern texture. It is the intuitive technique driven haircutting that I like to do. that is a mix of many, many techniques in one that is meant for thicker hair, for longer hair, like overwhelming amounts of hair. That's Mm -hmm. what this is for. So I was teaching that class and also they were asking me for coaching Mm one-on-one and stuff like that. Like, how do I open a business? How do I go about myself? And all of that stuff. And I'm like, let me, let me do one at a time. You know <laughs> what I mean? Let me do one at a time. I can take coaching. Yes. We'll do one, two sessions, three sessions, depending on what they want. And then the classes once every we gather a group of people and then we do those classes. But I do feel like, I don't know if you allow me to get one last tidbit. Yeah. I think for, because it's, it's frequently asked. Overwhelming AF overwhelming beyond how do I choose my advanced education? Not
0: all education is made the same. (laughs) Not all of it.
1: Not all of it. And there's just so much wild, plain and simple. There's scammers. There's scammers out there, babies. There's there's scammers out there or delusional. And and I feel like the, the best way to find your training is to find somebody that aligns with you. Yes, And again, you have to be the exact same way that a client is when they're looking for you. You have to be as aggressive. Before you throw down the $1,000 for two hours or the $600, a look and learn, you have to know and you have to see if your investment for advanced education is going to put value in what you believe in. Yes. Is it the same just to oh no, I wanna learn how to do a shag or I want you to learn how to do curtain bangs or I want to do this very trendy haircut. Uh What clientele do they have? Look for their clientels or models. Do Mm -hmm. they look like your clients? Simple. If all of your clients have thicker densities, longer hair, curly hair, you're gonna go take a shag where they hand style and blow dry with their hands. your clients can't do that. So that's it. I can't take that class. I mean, that class, yes, you can. It's just that that might not align with what you sell. So those $600 might not be great for you.
0: That's a great way to take a look at education because I think a lot of people kind of like, oh, I'm interested in this. And so I'm just going to throw my money at it. But that is such a great way to step back and kind of look at the needs of your actual clients and the education to go forward from there.
1: Yes, be, be able to curate it too. Because there's funnel it down to someone that I admire and adore is DJ Muldoon. Oh, and yeah. Yeah. I have been in a million stages. And every time they ask me <laughs> about who's your hair hero, oh, DJ Muldoon. Since yes. I was a Cosmo baby, I was like, tell me more. So a lot of my education has been aligned with someone like DJ Muldoon, right? Mm-hmm. And every time I see another type of haircutting happen, I'm like, how much of this haircutting aligns with what I do? How much of that precision can I take home and actually use? Mm -hmm. So there is a lot of many other precision hair cutters that I'm just like, I adore it. It's amazing. It's just not commercial and I can't use it. So therefore I cannot give you $2,000 at the moment. So then you start to curate and funnel what works for you. I already have my go-to's. Mm-hmm. I already know the vibes that I'm looking for. Yeah. And and, <laughs> and that's that if you don't got much knowledge on what you need, at least the vibes you got, people will show you their vibes. Their clients look like your clients. That's a good start.
0: I love yeah. that. Yeah. That's like such an easier way to take a look at all of the education that is available out there these days.
1: Yeah, 2.1 million followers does not it's not going to sell you a, do not let that sell you a course. Do not let that no that Agreed. not no. Agreed. 2.1 million followers is not going to sell you the best course. I yeah. promise you some of the best courses I've had has been people that are doing one-on-ones, people that are doing this craft classes of 10 people. Yes. Or it's it's ba- because they have that you can't buy, which is passion, vision, and mm-hmm. rev- the revision on every little detail. They're not selling to the masses. And that is where I find greatness. And that's where you can, and eventually you will be able to serve masses as well. But you, you gotta reel it in. A class of $3,000 for a person that never will know your name. Like you can't ask a question about something they just talked about. I just don't feel like that is much advanced education. It's just an experience. You're an experience.
0: Mm-hmm. You can get
1: an experience. Go to YSSE. You want an experience Go to YSSE? Get your ticket, get a drink, make a friend. So
0: that's my take on that.
1: Yeah. Maybe it's not a popular opinion, but I just, smaller is better when it comes to that.
0: I know. I fully agree with that. I'm like, I think that all of your unpopular opinions, I'm like, nope, I'm here for it. Uh, you yeah, know, not unpopular. <laughs> yeah. Popular to me. <laughs> yes. A hundred percent. I just, Cynthia, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that you took the time today to chat with me and and everyone listening and to share all of your wisdom and knowledge journey and all of your successes. And so, I just so appreciate it. And I also am like, just very honored to have been able to watch your career and, Everything that you have done so far, I just have always been in such awe of you. And I just so appreciate your time today.
1: Thank you so much. And honestly, I, I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't, you said today, I was like today, yes, today. And (laughs) it's, and those are the things that, that, that we talk about, not, not, you know, in the, along our conversation today, like curating the time for the things that you want to do. Yeah. So today was a really hectic day for me, a very busy day, long day. But then I was like, I want to make time for this experience. And what allows me to have this experience with you, the fact that all of my clients today and all the work that I did was very hard, but very fulfilling. That didn't drain me, that allowed me to show up here with you in the evening And still have a really nice chat. And I think that's the full circle of what you want to accomplish in your career. That you're not so burned out to do any of the stuff that you have time for yourself. You have time for your friends. You have time to sit and chat. You have time for a phone call. You're not just, "Eh, I'm done. Yes. So, yes, I I am very excited that we we got to do this and that you're doing this podcast. I think people really need insight it's such a process of like unknowns when you're getting out of school and when yeah. you are in school and also you're told that it doesn't matter that mm-hmm. it's like, it's just a few months and then you're like good to go. No, those few months you actually are very forming formative few months. They are here in Texas. They have reduced our hours little by little chipping away from our hours oh, gosh. Of preparation, sadly. They've they've gone away with a lot of our regulations here in Texas. And I tell the new students, you have less hours than most. Mm-hmm. Make sure that is worth it. And that's why it's important too, to our our expertise is so big, so vast. Mm-hmm. And you have to reel it in because you have so, so many few fewer times or fewer days. Make it big. Yeah.
0: Look at everything. Big picture. Go all in.
1: Go all in, all in. And I it, it would be a great experience. I, I know that I did have a great experience as a student and I loved the start of my career. And it was because it was not just a few months. To me, it was the illusion of a lifetime. It mm-hmm. was the dream of a lifetime. My mother looked up to Paul Mitchell in a way. She saw b- hair dressing as she, she was someone from a small town, small salon. So she's always big, brand's a big deal. So when I get to be next to someone like Stephanie Kachowski or John Paul DeGioria, I'm just like, wow, this is a dream. You know, you don't have to be next to John Paul DeGioria or you don't have to be at a Beach school or anything like that. You could be wherever it is that you choose to start your career. But if you have that all with it, within mm-hmm. it, it's going to be great. Just it's perspective.
0: Absolutely. I just thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you again. (laughs) And thank you for everyone listening to this episode. And you can find us on all podcast streaming platforms. Make sure you leave a comment, slide into our DMs with what you want to hear in the future. We'll catch everybody next week. Bye.